Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, good morning. It's nice to see the true devoted worshipers today who braved the sleet and rain to be out here this morning. To those online, we welcome you anyway. But, well, Pastor Chip uh, and his wife have the next four weeks of time of extended renewal. I was supposed to be here last week to say this, but I had the flu, so I got that out of the way for when Chip was gone. But it really is a healthy part of the life of a congregation for its leadership to take some time to focus in on rest and renewal. And this is a really healthy part. To know that for our church's history, there was a time and period uh, before Chip, and to know after, there will be a time, uh, many years we pray down the road, uh, when, when there will be future leaders who, who rise up for that. And so we're really excited for, for Chip and Don for to get that time for the Lord to pour into them and to renew them. So over these next four weeks, we're going to be looking at a sermon series simply titled, One Thing. One Thing. What is your one thing that God is speaking to you, that God is at work. And I'm really excited. This has been a practice for me that I do on a yearly basis going into the new year. I walk through and I say, God, what's the one thing that you're speaking me, uh, speaking to me? What's that one word? What's that one phrase that you're speaking to me for this upcoming year? And so my hope and prayer in, is that God would speak to you as well to focus you in to say, hey, where is it that you need to be focused in for this 2019 I want to show you this verse from the prophet Isaiah, from Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, just to kind of set a foundation for our sermon series. It says this, the prophet says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love this verse. God says, see, I am doing a new thing. And the belief that this whole, the foundation of this whole sermon series is this, that God is on the move in your life. God is on the move in your life. He is at work. He has planted seeds all the way since before, uh, from since you've been born. God has planted seeds in your life that he's been watched over. He's grown. He is on the move and he is speaking to us today. And God has a work that he wants to do both in you and through you to transform your life, to transform your family's life, your city's life, your place of work and your work. So God is on the move. And the other thing, verse I want to take you to is Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. The psalmist here writes here, and we'll jump into a gospel story in just a minute, but, but Psalm 27, verse 4 says this, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The writer there very clearly says there he has one thing that he is seeking after. One thing that he is going after. And for him, it's that he may dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze on the beauty of his temple. The psalmist has said, this is my focus. This is my one thing. This is what I'm going after. Because the truth is this, what we desire is what we seek after. What we desire is what we seek after. And so many times we don't really know what it is that we're seeking after. 
We kind of respond, and when bills come in, we respond to those or to those needs. Or if there's a crisis at work, we respond to this. And it feels like we're just always responding to the crises and the things that just come up in our life that take our attention. And if we're not careful, we suddenly become people who are just reactionary. We're always just reacting to what comes our way, but we're not intentionally going after what we seek. So maybe it is for us we seek after comfort or maybe we just seek after our happiness and we're just constantly, that's what we desire and that's what we seek after. But for the psalmist who said in the verse, one thing I ask of the Lord, that this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and that I may gaze on his beauty all the days of my life. I wonder if I was to ask you today and say in 2019, what do you desire? What is it that you want to go after? What are the God-given dreams on your heart? What are those things that maybe have laid dormant for a while? That maybe this is the year. This is the time to go after. Uh, A few months ago, I had a couple people who were praying over me. And as they were praying over me, one of the guys said, Hey, I just feel like God's asking you a question. What do you want from him? What do you want from God? And I sat there and that felt like that should have been an easy response for me to be like, I'd like this. God, I'm asking you for this. But when I was asked that question, I didn't know how to answer. I, I don't know what I really want God to do in my life. And when we don't know what we're asking God to do, many times we can get stuck. There's no real passion in our relationship with Christ. There's no real movement in our life. We kind of get stuck in what I call the the doldrums. The doldrums. It's just this place that's empty and it's void of wind and we're kind of just hanging out. It's interesting on the globe right around the equator from five degrees north to five degrees south, that's the equator, there's a part, part of our globe that's called the doldrums. And that's the part due to the curvature of the earth. It's not curved there. The radiation from the earth. This is a science nerd alert here moment. But um, the radiation comes off the earth, but it doesn't have anywhere to go. It doesn't curve north. doesn't curve south. It just goes straight up. And so it's a point known for a lack of wind. And in the doldrums, it's not uncommon. There have been people who actually have gotten, who've been sailing there, who get completely Stuck. I want to show you a video from a sailing race of what does it look like on our planet in the doldrums. So it's glassy. Looks like a desert. It's actually called the desert of the ocean. And there's our sound. Not easy. There's, you can see there's not a breath of wind on the water. We're barely moving and we've got four boats all in eye shot of each other. Four other boats, so. And it's about 40 degrees down below trying to sleep. And we're all sleeping together. Am I selling it? <laughs> okay. So what she said there, it gets, it's actually over 100 degrees there. And they're trying to sleep and they're trying to get through the five degrees north to five degrees south, but they're stuck and there's no wind. And there they sit, hoping to catch a thunderstorm that will sometimes come up and gust them out. 
Friends, when we don't have anything that we're seeking after, when we don't have anything that we're asking God for, I think that's what our spiritual life looks like. We get stuck in the doldrums where we're just hanging out. We're just sitting there. We're just waiting there. And that's not God's desire for your life. That's not God's desire for my life. My father-in-law, I love what he says sometimes. He says, it's easier for God to move a ship that's sailing than it is a ship that's anchored in harbor. And I think what it means by that is when we're going after something, it's easier sometimes for God to steer us and to move us and to shape us than if we're just simply stuck in the harbor saying, well, what should I do? Should I go here? Should I go there? I don't know what I really want. In 2019, God desires for us to have a focus of what it is that we're going after. Would you uh, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 10? The Gospel of Mark chapter 10. We're going to be starting in verse 46. A very familiar um, uh, gospel story. The story of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. We want to look through this through the lens of one thing. What was Bartimaeus's one thing? So the Gospel of Mark chapter 10 verse 46 The word of the Lord, it says, Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So we don't know for how long Bartimaeus has been there. He's been in his doldrums. He's been stuck there, unable to move. He's begs on the side of the road. He asks for people to support him as he cannot work. And here on this day, Jesus of Nazareth comes by. And it says that when he hears it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Bartimaeus in this moment has heard about who Jesus is. He has known something about what Jesus has done, and he realizes this is his shot. This is his moment to speak up, to cry up, cry out, because somebody who can change him, somebody who can transform him is here on this day. And so he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus teaches us something from the very beginning, that when you know your one thing, it will force you to get out of your comfort zone. So much of our life is about building up a life that keeps us inside a life of comfort. I mean, I order groceries from my couch. That's a life of comfort. I can answer my door from my phone wherever I'm at in the world. There's a life of comfort. You can now order from Alexa. You can order from everything that we want. We have ordered our life to be about comfort, to be about not intruding, to be not, about not interrupting. But Bartimaeus here, he really interrupts and he recognizes he's going to have to stand outside his comfort zone. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now this is a risk for Bartimaeus because his whole livelihood is about not making the people around him upset because he was totally dependent upon them to give, them, to give him his spare, their spare change so that he could have enough to live and to survive. 
But Bartimaeus steps outside of his comfort zone. He risked here something by saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this is why a one thing, when we know our one thing, it can be a scary thing. Because generally when we desire something that's from God, it will force us to step outside our comfort zone. God has an uncanny way of seeing to move us beyond our places of comfort. We insulate our lives. We want to stay in our place of comfort. We don't want to upset the apple cart too much. But somehow when God moves in our life, when God gives us a desire, it almost always moves us outside of our comfort zone where we would rather not go. And that produces this inner tension. Do we really want to go after what God has given to us? Do we really want to go after our dreams? Do we really want to pursue our heart? Or do we want to play it safe? And typically when we play it safe, our life begins to look like the doldrums. In verse 48, many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So now Bartimaeus is risking, he's outside his comfort zone. The people that are around him, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Bartimaeus here, the story teaches us again that people won't understand you if their one thing is different. For the people there that were around him telling him to be quiet, they already had their sight. They had their one thing and they could not understand why Bartimaeus would be upsetting the the cultural norms, the societal norms, and to be shouting and creating a scene. And so their response was, be quiet, Bartimaeus, be quiet. People generally do not understand us when we're pursuing after our one thing. But Bartimaeus still spoke up. It was embarrassing to those people around him. To, it was humiliating to have someone upsetting the social norm. But Bartimaeus didn't care. He had a bigger purpose than those who were trying to silence him. Alex Naaman knew his one thing. He was a social worker in Washington State for 20 uh, years. And he was known to be incredibly frugal. He uh, worked for the state for, for over 20 years. He was known to save money. If, if Alex asked you out to lunch, you were, knew you were going to fast food. In order to uh, keep his shoes going, he would come in and have duct tape wrapped around them. He loved cars, but on solo trips, he would take beat up vehicles. He was never married, uh, never had any children. And he did, um, he was also known that he'd go to the grocery stores at closing to go to the deli to get their specials. This man was incredibly frugal to the point the people around him had no idea why, what was going on with him. Alex died in January of 2018, and to the shock of his coworkers, he had amassed a fortune over $11 million that he left completely to, child, to charities that took care of children in foster care. Kids who uh, didn't have a chance. Now, his co-workers had no idea what is wrong with this guy. This guy's crazy. We won't even go out and buy shoes. But he knew what his one thing was. And he saved and he worked hard. And he didn't spend it on himself. He spent it completely on everyone else. His co-workers couldn't get it. Until after he's gone. And then they understood it. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you. 
What a beautiful part of the gospel story here. Jesus' response at the person who's upsetting the social norm wasn't, hey, disciples, can you go tell them to quiet that guy down? No. The God of the universe's response was, call him. Bring him here. And the crowds who were against Bartimaeus quickly shifted sides and say, cheer up, he's on. But Jesus is on the side of those who know what they're after and who speak up, who will go outside their comfort zone. God is for us, not against us. And so Bartimaeus gets on his feet. In verse 50, he throws his cloak aside. He jumps to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him this question. What do you want me to do for you? This is Bartimaeus' one thing moment. The God of the universe, the Messiah, is asking him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Bartimaeus knew exactly what he wanted, and he spoke up. He got outside his comfort zone to speak up. He threw his cloak aside. He threw his livelihood aside. He upset the cultural norm because he was going to do that. And he said, Rabbi, I want to see. So maybe today you're here and you were like me a couple months ago and you're like, hey, what do you, what do you ask God for? What do you want? You're like, I don't know. I don't know. How do we start to identify what it is that we want? How is it that we start to identify what is our one thing? Our desire that we'll go outside of our comfort zone that we'll launch into. How do we do that? I want to flip over to the book of Luke chapter 18, verse 16 and 17. It says, but Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. If you're struggling to say, this is what I want, God. This is what I'm asking. This is what I'm after. I think these verses speak to us about how do we start to identify it. Really what we need to start doing is being like a kid. We need to be like a kid. Have you ever asked a kid, hey, what do you want? They're not thinking through a filter of, well, this would be nice, but I don't know about the cost, about this. We asked John Mark, my three-year-old, what do you want for Christmas? I want a bouncy house. He didn't think if it would fit in our living room. He didn't think of the cost. He didn't think, where are we going to get a bouncy house? He just said, I want a bouncy house. And you know, I think that's what God wants us to be like. Hey, what do you want? But so many times there's this filter, well, that's too big. Well, that will never happen. Well, this won't be possible. Well, I can't leave my job. Well, this can't. And we, we talk ourselves out of it. But so many times, as Jesus was saying here, be like a kid. To simply say, hey, this is my desire. I don't know how this pieces together. I don't know how this works out. But this is just what I want. That's where the point of which God, I think, is saying, hey, be like a kid. So many times we're the ones who get in the way. I'll tell you a story. For the past couple years, there's been this dream and desire of mine to give a large amount to the school in Canada. And I prayed about it. God, I really want to give this amount. It's crazy. It's beyond anything that I feel like we would be able to do. But God, this is what I'm asking you for. And so this past year, I felt like God was saying, you can't give that. But why don't you give what you have? And so we did. And I did the math. 
at our current rate of giving each month, it's going to take 16,000 years to reach this dream and this goal. And I've started praying, God, you could make us last for 16,000 years, but I don't think that's the way this is going to work. So I ask that this dream and vision that we have to support your kingdom ministry, you would, you would be able to, to, to bless us for that. And so that's what our prayer has become. God, would you bless us so that we can bless others? God, this year, would you prosper us and help us to succeed so that we can help uh, your kingdom to do that? And that was a really hard prayer to pray for me. Isn't that a selfish prayer to ask God to bless us to do that? And that's what we had to wrestle with to say, you know what, God, this is just our craziness. This is my childlikeness, but this is what we're going to pray after. This is what we're going to go after is to seek to help finance your kingdom. Massimo Batura is a chef in northern Italy. When he was three years old, he would sit under the table of his mom as she was making pasta and reach up and sneak it and eat her pasta. At that early age, he could uh, taste the different flavors of it, and he loved it. And so as he got older, his one thing was he wanted to cook. Now, his dad was a, a lawyer and a very successful lawyer in an oil and gas business. And when Massimo got old enough... Uh, he asked, uh, his dad asked him, what is it you're going to do? And he said, I want to cook. And his father said, no, you need to be a lawyer. And he said, no, I want to cook. And his father said, let me make you an offer you can't refuse. Maybe, maybe that's another Italian story. But um, he um, went through and said, no, you're going to be a lawyer. And Massimo said, no, I want to cook. And so his father cut him off from the family finances. Well, Massimo opened a restaurant in northern Italy and a critic came in, because it was not your normal Italian. It was uh, kind of a, meant to be out there. And the critic wrote his first uh, review of his new restaurant and told the people, don't come. It's terrible. And the people listened. They didn't come to his restaurant. So he adjusted the menu a little bit, and he added some traditional recipes in. And a national critic just happened to be coming by Massimo's restaurant and ate it and said, this is the best Italian dish in all the world. Well, the people started really to come. And over the last 30 years, people have come, and now he's a world-renowned chef, and they just earned their third Michelin star. And people, uh, um, you can't get an opening for months. There's constantly people there. But Massimo, who's this world-renowned chef, started to be bothering by some of the numbers, in particular the number one trillion. He recognized that one trillion apples are wasted each year and aren't eaten, but simply rot. And Massimo said, I wonder how many apple pies we could make out of those one trillion apples. So Massimo decided he was going to now open, in addition to his restaurant, soup kitchens. But not any soup kitchen. This is actually one of them. He partnered with churches. He partnered with different community organizations and opened seven of these sit-down, world uh, great cuisine Three-course meals for the poor and for the working poor. And now in Rome and in Paris and London and Rio de Janeiro, Massimo suddenly has seen his one thing to cook that has now grown into something much bigger than that that is helping to feed the poor and is helping to feed those that are hungry. You see, when God gives you a one thing, it's never just about you. But God wants to use your passion and your gifts to help feed those that are hungry emotionally, spiritually, physically. 
God wants to take those dreams and desires inside of you, regardless of your age, whether you're young or whether you're old, and to use them for your glory, even as Massimo is seen now. Our final verse, Mark chapter 10, verse 52. After Bartimaeus says, hey, Lord, Rabbi, I want to I receive my sight. Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Bartimaeus' true adventure began when he told the Savior, Lord, I want to see. And God healed him. But where, do we, where does the story end with Bartimaeus as far as we go? He is following Jesus on the road. The adventure of Bartimaeus' life comes when he tells the Lord, this is what I want. He is now able to go after the Lord and to follow him on the adventure of a lifetime going after the Lord. Your one thing, your passion, your dream that God has given you in 2019, it's not just about you. But it will be the door that opens to the great adventure of seeing Christ at work in your life. So I simply ask you again today, what is your one thing in 2019? Don't tell me something that's small. Don't tell me something that's, that's easily, that you can just easily do. No, what's your God-given passion? What's that thing that God is speaking to your heart? Friends, let's go after that in 2019. Do you join me in prayer? God, it's a scary prayer to pray, to pray for something big. We feel like we put ourselves out there. What if you don't answer? What if we don't achieve it, God? What if, and all before we know it, God, we're so caught up in what ifs that we've, we've entangled and snared ourselves in a trap. But today, Jesus, in the quiet of this moment, I pray that you would come. And in the same way that you asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? You would ask each one of us. What do we want? Father, may you give us the faith to respond. Give us the eyes to see, ears to hear, to go after what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, what we're going to do to kick off this series and to kind of step into this, we're going to have a time of extended worship this morning. Uh, We just don't have a song of response and go, no, we're going to have a couple songs this morning. To create a space, really, for you to get alone with God. Maybe you need to pull out your phone and open a note on your phone and journal for a minute and to type out, hey, the God, this is what I kind of feel like maybe my one thing. Or maybe you need to pull out your pen on the back of the worship folder. Make that your space to really journal and write a prayer and say, God, this is what's on my heart, but it feels bigger maybe than what I feel I can do my own. This is going to be a space, and maybe you need to come forward to the altar and make it a prayer. Maybe you need to grab the hand of the person next to you and ask them to pray with you. But we're going to take a couple songs here this morning to get in tune and to focus in and to listen and to respond to this. What do you want? What do you want? And maybe you say this morning, what I really want is a relationship with Jesus. I need, I'm far away from God this morning, and I need to have a relationship with him. I'd love to meet, meet you for here this morning and pray. Maybe you feel God's calling you to join this church. We'd love to have prayer with you. But for the first uh, about a minute or so, we're going to have just a taste of quiet. Everyone's going to be seated. And then the music will start and we'll sing together a couple songs. Make this your place 
to respond to the Lord who's asking you simply the question this morning, what do you want? What do you want? Let's make this a place of prayer this morning. pray today you sense the presence of the Lord who is speaking to us. And I believe God's going to do great things in this year as he gives us his one thing. Do you join me in closing prayer? Gracious fathers, we go forth from this place. We thank you that you go with us. We pray your spirit would empower us as we seek to follow after you. Lord, may you do great things this year as we seek to follow after you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.